Welcome to Politics and Bros. This is the podcast where two guys who spent their careers on the inside of federal politics and government are now on the outside and only have each other to talk about how things are going. Today is August 30th, 2021, and this is episode 43. I'm your co-host, Pete. With me, as always, is my good friend, Howell. Hey, buddy, what's happening with you? Hi, Peter. Um, I should warn everyone, I just told you before this, I've done no prep for our <laughs> our, our uh, episode tonight, but that doesn't mean I won't have a lot of hot takes for you. So, Good thing um, nothing's happening. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's kind of my, I was telling you before I'm starting a new job in a couple weeks and it's kind of my, kind of my last two, uh, two weeks of freedom before I go back to work. So I've been pretty lazy. So forgive me for being ill prepared for tonight. I've never had, I've never tried so hard to get somebody to play, play golf with me. (laughs) Kept on changing your plans and it's, it's really hot outside, Pete. Not that this week it's going to be gorgeous. That is true. It's going uh, to be nicer. Um, but it was oppressive this weekend. I was oh, yeah, out so watching was. soccer all weekend. And um, I think I went through like multiple shirts every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, but yeah, kids back in school today. So hallelujah for that. Mm-hmm. Um, in person. Yeah. It's kind of quiet during the day. How are you over there in Oak Park? We're fine. And the same thing, like, uh, we spent, like, three hours at the pool on Saturday because it was just so damn hot. Um, even when it, like, rained and stormed a little bit, we just stayed in the pool. <laughs> like they, they kicked us out for a half an hour. Yeah, or got wasn't us out there lightning on Saturday? There was, there was, and they got us out for a half an hour, and then there was no more lightning, but it still rained, so they said everybody could get back in the pool because there was no lightning or thunder. Um, and then it stopped, and it was beautiful, but I, but, I uh, think, yeah. I think I saw you liked my Instagram post, but that was the other thing. I got. Saturday night, I got to go on a boat on the yeah. Lake Michigan. What was that all about? Oh, it was a 50th birthday party for okay. um, some neighborhood friends and a friend. And But one of the cool things was, and I have a video of it, I didn't post, post it, was to the north, you could see the storm rolling through and it was there was lightning. Um, and so down in Chicago, it was really nice on the water, but you could see these beautiful shots of like lightning lighting up the crowd up North. Nice. So that was nice. Although I was extremely tired from um, watching my daughter play soccer and watching my daughter run a triathlon, which was really tiring. <laughs> that made you tired. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's how I am. Too funny. Nice. Just look, looking forward to hearing all the good things you have to say about, um, the administration tonight and um, responding accordingly. Yep. Yes. Yes. Well, today was a landmark day. Uh, that August thirty first deadline to get everybody out of Afghanistan has come and gone. When you factor in the time change, apparently, um, and it like what was it like three twenty or something like that Eastern time this afternoon uh, was the last. Um, uh, plane out of Hamid Karzai International Airport. Um, the Washington Post has a big, bold face font. America's longest war ends, or something like that. Yep. 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 So I'm surprised they named it Hamid Karzai um, Airport. I'm sure that's going to uh, change now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they might they might make a few changes. The the good old boys I, and the Taliban. 
I mean, how many years has it been since he was in power? He he was not, didn't he? He doesn't even live there anymore, right? Because he, he's so hated. He left. Didn't he leave office like 2012 or something like that? It was he a was, while ago. He was president for like not like 10 years or something. Maybe not 10, but this is on the fly research. People, yeah, 24. I think like 2014 is when he left uh, when he stopped being president. Um, but um, yeah, I have a feeling they're gonna go ahead and just blast that name off of the uh, the sign out in front of the airport and put up something else. This term ended in September 2014. Yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you mentioned blasting off. Um, that was, I remember, I distinctly remember hearing about the Taliban for the first time in like, maybe like 99 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, and what the, I heard them in the context of the Taliban is who is in you know in charge of Afghanistan is going through the country and destroying these like you know thousand year old yeah do you remember this yeah I do remember oh it? yeah it was a big story and that was the first time I was like oh this is you know I didn't think anything of it other than it's like you know it's a shame that they're wiping out their their culture um, or the culture of the region and then you know little did I know like two years later. Obviously, everyone would find out who the Taliban were, but um, but now they're back. Now so. they're back. I mean, they never went away, but now my, they're really back. My wife uh, reminded me of a meme that's been circulating on the internet that uh, it took uh, 20 years and four presidents to uh, remove the Taliban, only to give them give the country back to the Taliban or something like that. Or 20 years ago, we took 20 years ago and four presidents ago, we took the Taliban. We we took the Taliban out of power only to give them back power or something like that. I forget, I forget how it went, but, um, yes, very true. that's not, a, that's not a good record. No, no. Um, but it's, it's something I found really, I've been like reading a lot of stuff, a lot of like op-eds and Washington post and New York times. And I've noticed people and even like Jennifer Rubin, um, has been writing like this. And so has Ezra Klein, which I think is kind of funny too, that they all, all these pundits are coming out talking about how great of a job Biden has done. And this was the only way this was going to go down. Like it was predetermined that it was going to be, you know, a quote unquote failure um, no matter what. So we just should embrace how good of a job Biden has done. And even Ezra Klein went so far as to, uh, and this was, this was like two weeks ago in the Washington post. He went so far as to, or maybe not New York times, right? New York times, sorry. Maybe not quite two weeks ago, but in the, in the last two weeks, he wrote about this, and he wrote all these scenarios that we could have done, but he premised it all on failure. Like, no matter what we had done, it would have been failure. Whereas, uh, the question really should be, what could we have done differently so that it would have been more of a success of getting everybody out, getting our, our military um, equipment and hardware out, getting all the Afghans who wanted to leave out, the visa holders, everything, and personnel but for some reason, all these pundits, or there's been several pundits, I won't say all these, but there's been several pundits who have sort of accepted that failure was the only option, no matter what no matter what scenario had played out, it would have ended up like, it, it would have gone this way no matter what, no matter how well the Biden administration planned, which have I don't you, think that's a very good, you know, premise to be working from. I don't have know you... you um seen anyone suggesting what success would have looked like i i i'm uh, i'm curious i don't know I'm i mean curious. that's why i'm a- i i mean 
Yeah, I have. Because people, I mean, Biden, he first announced the intention to pull everything out in April. So I sort of feel like, why was there this mad, and it felt like it, and maybe maybe I need to be better educated on this, but if 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 the whole point starting in April was to get everybody out and to do this, why didn't we start then instead of... Well, you know of, why we didn't. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is like... Do you know how, why we didn't? How, what are you thinking? I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Well, I, because the Afghans ask us not to. Right, but I mean, I'm, but that doesn't mean that we should still leave, you know, billions of dollars of military hardware sitting on the ground just for a foreign power to take over as their own. Well, they were the, that hardware was now Afghan militaries, right? Well, so, that, but we also left our own stuff behind too, not just Afghan military equipment. We did? I haven't heard that. Well, I mean, I basically, heard that we basically we did when the Afghan army folded in all these, you know, M4s and armored vehicles and helicopters and just got but left But that behind. was theirs at this point. Yeah, right, but it's we just sort of handed, allowed it to be handed over when we saw that it was, you know, the Taliban was weeks, you know, for the weeks before they took Kabul, they were already taking the rest of the country. So it was sort of inevitable that we were going to, all that stuff was going to fall into their hands. So why didn't we do anything? Maybe I maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Or maybe I, I'm being naive, I should say. So I think there is the issue of, and it's probably bigger than just this is that you know how much we did give them militarily and we perpetuated the the lie that they were a capable service sure. uh, at, at this point and everything i've read is that um they were only good when they had the backing of american the american presence and the american air um air cover uh and then as soon as that's withdrawn, it was like a house of cards. Mm-hmm. So regardless of, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that we'd ever have an accurate full accounting of what was designated as Afghans versus what was happened to be there and was being used by the U.S. military. My guess would be that it was somewhere in the that it was more of the stuff that was left was actually had been given to the Afghan military to use in their fight. And then as they folded, um, the Taliban took over it. I really don't think in, I mean, a lot of that stuff requires, uh, pretty, I think, and I, we, maybe we should have a military expert on, but I think a lot of that stuff, um, will be over the Taliban's head for the most part. Um, but we're getting off track. I mean, that, that is something that, they probably could have done a better job planning about, but I think some of that again was the military um, creating a a false uh, image of what the was really in play there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the thing that I've read that is really was kind of a catch twenty two was. They wanted to get everyone out. Um, defining everyone is always hard in that situation because I, having worked in embassies, you know, you know that there are Americans in the country. Um, you at the embassy ask every American to register with the embassy, 
but not everyone does. So when it comes to a, a crisis situation and you have to do an accounting of Americans in the, in the area, it's difficult to verify. It's difficult to get a really good accounting because some people may not, may not have the documentation and such. So it, it, it is not something you want to be doing um, kind of haphazardly and quickly. Um, but that's the case when obviously uh, some, you know, a terrorist organization is taking over a country. Um, but what I was going to say is my understanding is that Ghani asked them, he said, okay, I understand you're withdrawing, but you, if you withdraw everyone before quickly and start um, speeding up SIVs and withdrawing Americans, we are going to look like, it's going to look like you don't have any faith in us and which will hasten sort of any sort of instability or potential falling. And so the Biden administration agreed to sort of do things quietly at first and then maybe speed up. So there's probably some um, in that interregnum, I guess you would call it, um, there's probably some opportunity. There was probably some opportunity there to do things maybe a little bit more uh, with speed. You know, I don't think paperwork is going to be a good excuse for why this happened. Um, but I, yeah, so that was what I was just saying. That was why we didn't do it earlier. And then when the the Taliban took over quicker than we thought they were going to. Then it was like, oh shit, we didn't plan for this. And it does. And what you could definitely blame them for, is even though they, really even though the a, administration a, a, said they did plan for it, but okay, they <laughs> they said they planned for a rapid fall. No, no, no. Oh no. Oh, oh no. I thought you were saying the opposite. No, no. I was saying they didn't plan for. They didn't plan to be withdrawing after the Taliban had already taken over. Oh, yeah. The okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I misunderstood no. you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I was saying. And so then, you know, maybe they, they probably should have had a contingency plan for what if this does happen yeah. and then how you do that. Of course, it's easy to, for me to say that. I don't know what that contingency plan would look like, but the fact that they didn't have one in the, in itself is, is probably a, a, an error. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know. I think that and with actually, this is a good question. I don't know if you have a better, if you know much. I you know with the with the suicide bomber and us losing thirteen service members and you know several civilians as well. What what is this offshoot of ISIS now? I don't know. I mean, this is the first time I've ever heard of ISIS K in the last. I'm sure most people didn't know much about them in the last you know week or so until this attack happened. But wh- who are these guys? Do you know much about them? I, I don't. Um, yeah. ISIS Khorasan. Khorasan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm guessing they want to have a you know a caliphate out of yeah. that that region. The Khor the Khorasan. Let me I'm do on the fly research here. Um, <laughs> I love it when you do that. Uh, is let's see what territory is that? Um, well, shit. Oh, here we go. Historical region. Um, it's northeastern Iran, south southern Turkmenistan, and northern Afghanistan. Yeah. So, um, it's probably just a similar doctrine, um, made up of the people of of those regions, where yeah. you know, a, um, uh, Islamic caliphate 
um, where Sharia law is um, implemented. And um, but yeah, I don't really know anything about about them, unfortunately. Well, we hopefully I won't hear much about them. Yeah, I mean, well, we discussed in the last podcast. It was you know a terrorist attack was only a matter of time. I think you and I were more referring to one on our our shores. But was this was this wholly predictable? Something like this happening? Well, I mean, if you listen to um, the intelligence community, I mean, they were sounding the alarms. Like I, um, I talked to some friends who who work um, in that, and they were like, it, you know, just seeing the threat reporting come in. I mean, the the, the thing the thing that bothers me is that. Um, the, you know, so the administration warned that it was a very dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Hot, you know, they warned Americans not to be, you know, not to go to the gate. Um, and I will say that I saw several people mention this, but, you know, the, the service members who were killed, you know, kind of logistically running the, the airport gate. Um, I mean, those are true heroes because and you know they had been told that yeah a threat is is imminent and yep. could ha- you know and it was almost like playing roulette at that point right just like whoever happened to be up at the time that it was going to happen was the one that was going to pay for it and and so you know like god to have that bravery is is something that i certainly can't access um yeah and you know uh it's it's little little solace to the families, but um, uh, but what bothers me is that the same people who are criticizing the administration um, for not getting out or not doing enough to get the Americans and the Afghan allies out are then the first to jump on politically and pile on when the suicide bombing happened. It's like you're you're criticizing them for doing what they could um, to try and evacuate as many Americans by August 31st as possible. And in doing so, it's a dangerous mission. Um, they happen to take casualties, uh, executing that mission. And now you're going to criticize them for that too. So it's like, to me, the whole, like, I understand to go back to your earlier point, I understand what the pundits, when they say it was a, it was a losing proposition there. I understand what they're saying because um, there were no, there weren't good answers. Like even, even if we got everyone out and there were no casualties, there would be plenty of bad stories about Afghans being murdered and um, all the, there was no good outcome. Um, You know, it was kind of like, I don't even know if you could make lemonade out of lemons. It was just a lose-lose proposition, um, and I, I do think I do think it's important to separate the short-term execution of the evacuation mission as a failure from leaving Afghanistan overall as maybe a success. In that, in that we needed to get out at some point. So I. I well, that, that's the thing that kind of bugs me, though, is that there's there's this there's kind of a false choice that keeps on getting put forward. And Biden did it all the time where it's like, well, what do you expect us to do? Stay there forever. And nobody was really saying that nobody was making that point that we need. Well, 
I'm sure there's some warhawks out there that were definitely making that point that we needed to keep ground forces there for however long. But point being is that the polling is on Biden's side that we needed to get out of this war. We needed to get our troops out of there. But there was, you know, a, there's a good point to be made that logistically this should have been handled better. Now, what degree is separates better from worse is right. obviously completely messed up and uh, there might be no way to actually quantify that in, in a in a in a good way, but um, there's. I just got very annoyed where people started parroting that sort of that point from Biden that you know, with that false choice of well, it's either we stay there forever or we you know fuck up the end game and the, the way that we have the last two weeks, and that's not really, that's not a really good that's not the fair choice or that's not really a fair thing to say like. Yeah, we're getting out, but we're going to plan for this better because it still doesn't look like it was planned for better. And you hear, I don't know if I don't really buy into the kill list thing that where our embassy or our diplomats gave the Taliban a list of the people that we wanted to get out. I'm sure there is some sort of communication of that, but, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a kill list. But still, that's another thing. People are getting. I have not heard it called the kill list. You oh. must be. Uh, I, I even, know what you're talking about. Oh, even but, uh, even Jake Tapper and um uh what's his face on NBC uh in the morning um why are we, what, huh? why am I blanking on Joe that Scarborough? Name? No, on MB, NBC. NBC. Meet the press. Oh, uh, oh uh, um Chuck Chuck uh what's his name? Yeah, that Chuck guy. Norris. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. There you go. Yes. I, I, I don't watch that show. So, but I saw a clip of him. Me neither. Even, even he said, even he referred to it as, you know, the so-called kill list. Well, maybe that's why I don't, because yeah. I don't watch those shows. But, but anyway, uh, the, the, the point being is that from a logistical standpoint, this could have been, I think this could have been handled better, but we keep on being told by people that there was no, there was no other option than for the way it went down, which I don't think people can accept. That's fine. And I think um I think there will be investigations, yes. congressional yeah. oversight. Yeah. And I think that's completely fair. And personally, I think the bureaucrats and the military um personnel and um leadership that perpetuated the situation in Afghanistan and didn't prepare for this mm -hmm. should be held accountable yeah. and, you know, lose jobs or lose clearances. Um, I have no problem with that. Um, and, but what I do, well, and actually this, um, actually this was going to be my Marjorie Taylor green, um, crazy of the week, but you'll find out later we're not doing it. But, uh, the, the, the folks who are calling for impeachment, um, oh, yeah. based on this, yeah, I, mean, I mean, to me, that is, it is political opportunism. Yeah. Uh, at its worst, um, you know, it's 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 not even close to the worst foreign policy disaster that America has had ever, um, and no other president has been impeached for for doing you know what they thought was the best for the country in that instance, um, foreign policy wise. So, um, you know. I, but I do think that if the Republicans take the House in 2022, that they will draw up articles of impeachment on, or they will try to draw up articles of impeachment on Biden for this. Well, I mean, I'm sure somebody already has drafted those. 
articles of impeachment. I mean, it's not. It doesn't have to be a caucus thing. Any member can drop articles of impeachment. Well, I but, mean, they will like McCarthy this week, or maybe it was last week, said he's not ruling out impeachment. So if it has the the uh, ear of the potential speaker of the house, then you know they could rally around that. I think I think a lot has to depend. So that when um, when they were announcing, and I'm blanking on the name of uh, who are the general are who's head of CENTCOM. Um, I want to say McKenzie, but I don't think I don't know if that's right. But anyway, when he did the press conference today, talking about the last flight leaving Karzai Airport, and said that there's about 250 Americans still basically stranded in Afghanistan, and he said, "Well, the, while the the military mission has ended with that last flight, the diplomatic mission kicks back in and is still there." Which, so I think the people who are saying, and I've seen it already on Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff like that, people talking about calling Biden a traitor for getting all these Afghans out, but still leaving 250 Americans behind. You know, if those, if those Americans, if they, assuming they want to leave, which I'm, I'm assuming they do don't get out, that could be a huge problem for him when it politically, um, especially in 2022. Um, but, you know, taking on its face value that there actually will be some sort of diplomatic mission or diplomatic relation with the Taliban to get those people out. I, and I know only time will tell, but he's going to be taking a ton of heat um, for leaving. Yeah, without, but that's, I mean, none of that is, it could be, it could be politically trouble and time will tell if, if Americans care, but like, uh, you know, I, you know, my feelings about it, but it's not a high crime or misdemeanor. No, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. But I mean, the people are already talking about how the Brits and the French did special missions to go get people and the Americans didn't do that. And now I don't, I mean, maybe they did They're It's probably classified if they did, but from an optic standpoint, it see, it seems like a lot to a lot of people out there that Biden orchestrated this situation and ended up leaving people behind when he said he wouldn't. I mean, I think that's the way certain people want to frame it as a happening. I mean, sure. you don't know, you don't know like but it's plausible. What, the, what the context is of, sure, lots of things are plausible. Yeah. Um, you don't know what the context of those 250 Americans are. Maybe sure. they're Afghan Americans who live, who are like out in the sticks visiting their family. And, you know, like it's, I think the people, it would be interesting if you saw who the people are that are left, is it, is it, you know, Washington post journalist? I'm sure it's not because I'm sure Washington post did a good job of getting their people out. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it's probably, uh, people, uh, from the region who are, or who, um, immigrated from the region Mm -hmm. and are in, uh, still in the country. Um, and I don't want to call, I, I, I will stop there. Cause I was about to maybe in, insinuate racism or, um, <laughs> native nativism on, on folks. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it's, it, to me, I just like some of the same people who, who like called for Afghanistan to be turned into a parking lot are now very concerned about Afghan babies and Afghan, um, interpreters, uh, you know, getting out of Afghan. It just seems, there just seems to be a lot of, of um, taking shots because it will be good politically uh, than, than actual concern being 
being done for for how it affects America. Well, I think there's a few. There's... I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just saying the conversation to me is littered with lots of uh, talking heads that are that are trying to make those points. Yeah, but I think there's also there's silos of of the of types of people in this situation where I, I fully believe all these all these Afghans that have been flown out of the country should be welcomed to the United States with open arms into our communities, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, and, and should be made Americans um, for a whole host of reasons. It's the but there's that silo of people who of Republicans and conservatives who think that, and then there's the silo that's like that's like hell no, we're not taking any refugees. There's these there's these multiple subsets on all these issues, and I think the people who don't want the refugees, those are more the people who are quick to talk about turning Afghanistan into a sheet of glass after 9-11. Um, but I think there are sincere folks who believe on both sides, and a lot of conservatives too, who think that all those interpreters, all those people that helped out military, U.S. military personnel... Um, who believed in the mission and tried to turn their country into a better, you know, a better place for women, children, you know, education, healthcare, everything. Um, you know, I think they were sincere in that. But yeah, I do believe there are other people, especially the ones that are hell no, we don't want any refugees. They were, they, I, I would, I would assume there's a large, a pretty large correlation between them and the people who are talking about nuking that country 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's there is a serious conversation to be had about, you know, America's time there. Um, you know, how did we get to where we were? Um, how could we have done this better? You know, I did hear um, one suggestion was we should have held Bagram for longer, um, and I don't know what that entails. Yeah, it uh, you know, may, does that require? Um, keeping more troops there because you have to hold a base um, and protect it fully. And do you need troops who can also transport you to Bagram as well? So that you like, I don't know, would it have left more people there? Would it have left more people exposed? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe they could have moved everyone there and then left from there. Um, uh, You know, I think there, but there is a, that the point is that, you could potentially make that argument that that would have been a better way to do it. And hopefully through congressional oversight, which is how our system is supposed to work, um, that they will get to the bottom of like, how could this have been done better? And um, they always find things that could have been done better um, and find out who, you know, was responsible and God forbid, you know, anybody was doing anything because they thought it would be, uh, bad for their career or their political future. Um, you know, uh, I hope that it's not found that, that folks were, for, were doing that. Um, and I fully support opening an investigation. And I think you've already seen that obviously Republicans support it. And so do Democrats at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't know. That's, it's it's just I hate to hear everything distilled down to sound bites and talking points, and it's so much more than that. You know, like I personally knew several people who passed away in Afghanistan, and to think that like yeah. you know, um, it just cheapens everything, like what they sacrificed for to hear yeah. it. You know, um, um, become a, a political cudgel, and so it just kind of gets under my skin. 
I think it's what's going to be interesting too, and and this is probably not going to happen for another five to ten years. But when there's an actual debate about the reasons why we were there or what the reasons turned into, because you know I think Biden has spent a lot of time talking about it was never about nation building; it was about rooting out terrorism. Um, which I disagree with. I think it was about both at the end of the day. Um, the problem is, is that whenever we've tried to do nation building, we've failed spectacularly pretty much every single time because we go in and, and I, this reminds me of, of things that were written. Except about. for Germany. <laughs> well, that well, even nation rebuilding. That was nation, that was nation rebuilding, but also, I mean, Germany, I think in the, in the years, a couple of years after the, for a few years after the war where that was a, not a great place to be a lot of crime, a lot of violence, you know, it was, but anyway, it was, but that's a, a different culture, a different, you know, society. But um, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Charlie Wilson's war. Uh, you know, in that book, it was the thing, the whole thing was, you know, you know, Congressman Charlie Wilson said, we go in with these places and our high ideals and we turn it all upside down and then we leave mm-hmm. and we don't end up finishing the, finishing the mission. And this is a situation where we, we didn't finish the mission, but I think people are going to argue for a long time about why we didn't and what we should have done. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how that, how history judges this in, in five to 10 years. Well, I mean, and Vietnam was deemed a failure. Yeah. Look at it now. It's true. A, you know, a regional, it's not a regional power, but it's one of the second tiers in the region and um, growing I, place. And I um, think when you throw in the Islam, Islam factor, especially in an, in a country that's in a region honestly that's been decades behind western civilization for a whole host of reasons this is what happens i mean this is not vietnam i think vietnam was always you know they were modern modern society i mean for french, the most part french influence yeah, yeah there was influences and those influences haven't happened in countries like afghanistan and and you know, maybe to some degree Pakistan, but you know, definitely not Afghanistan. Um, yeah, I'm not a historian. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not an expert on it. But it's just for me looking at it. You know, as a passerby, that's just kind of how it looks to me. That there's a. I feel like there's a lot of Muslim countries that are like this, or there are Muslim countries like this that just never wanted it in the first place, and we still were like, oh no, you're gonna you're gonna love it, <laughs> and we had to drag them along, you know, to some degree. Well. I mean, you know, you kind of see how we got there every step of the way. We basically ran the Taliban out of power because Mm -hmm. they posed a threat to us um, by their harboring terrorism. And then you felt a need to at least get them back up on their feet. But then you realize that it's, you start, you know, you just kind of, then five, 10 years later, you're stuck in there and you don't have a way to get out and it becomes a political problem. And, um, so anyway, we've talked a lot about Afghanistan over two episodes. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about? Um, I, I'm, you know, we're getting into the cycle for, for election season already. Um, let's do it. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel sad for this, my, my home state of Georgia. (laughs) I feel sad for the Republicans, recruiting a guy who hasn't lived there in decades. I mean, Grant, he was born in Georgia. He's from Georgia. He's a legend in Georgia. But, I, I mean, Herschel Walker running for Senate, I just think is no offense to him, but I just think it's kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and playing to um, – it's a, it's a pandering move. 
but the GOP doesn't hate black people, right? I, that's that's. I, I, I think the fact that he, I think the fact that he's black is really just kind of a side issue. I think it's because he is such a legend in the state, and he's been so outspoken, mm. and he's already got Trump's seal of approval. And right. you know, I, I'm praying to God that some of the, I know there's a few other people who are ready to jump in to challenge, um, you know, Raphael Warnock, but um, I, I hope that you know, as Trump's chosen candidate i kind of on that alone i hope he loses just so i it lo- further loosens the grip that the trump you know the trumpies have on on the party mm-hmm. but um you know i who who else is uh potentially in the mix for the gop nomination oh there's some like business types i don't know the names i'd have to go back and look them up but i know there's like three or four that have already looked into it i was kind of hoping um, that some of the guys who've already won statewide, like um, the attorney, gen- the current attorney general in Georgia, would run, but I think he's Raffensperger. No, that he's secretary. He's secretary of state. state. Um, mm-hmm. um, but um, what what about what's his name? The guy who was Doug Collins. Is he? Is that his name? Doug. Yeah, Collins? Doug Collins. I I I don't know. I haven't heard much from him. I mean, I assume he might jump into the race, but but maybe he. You know, he was always a Trump guy. So if, yeah. if Herschel's already got Trump's endorsement, yeah, maybe he's it. just like, um, I mean, that's got to bode well if you're uh, a fan of the Democrats for Georgia, right? Because, uh, you know, I think Warnock versus Herschel Walker, um, if that's what it ends up being, yeah. probably tilts towards the Democrats again. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he is probably the most famous Georgian of the last, you know, 40 years, you know, just from a straight up celebrity standpoint. Oh, so then he should definitely be Senator. <laughs> That's the... Yeah. Oh, and I should go back the the attorney general of Georgia is uh, Chris Carr. He's the one that I would hope would, would do this, but I think he's enjoying being attorney general. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting and he's got multiple personality disorders that's been thrown out there. He's had issues for a long time. I'm not saying that should disqualify, but it's certainly going to present challenges. But, right. Um, I don't know. I, there's been an obsession, I think, among the Republicans, and it only pops its head up every now and then. But certainly since probably the 2002 election cycle, there's been uh, there's been this kind of unspoken need for cele- to find like a celebrity to run. And that's kind of how we got. Uh, it's one of the reasons of how we got Trump, because he was kind of a celebrity type and good on TV and you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, cause I remember when we were trying to, uh, re- for Senate in 2004 cycle, trying to recruit Mike Ditka to run in Illinois and he was actually considering it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I kind of feel like there's always, you know, there was always this talk about getting Pat Sajak to run in Maryland cause he lives in Annapolis, uh, when he's not filming Wheel of Fortune and he's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's always that where there, there's been, this want and need and kind of first instinct is like, what celebrity can we get to run for Senate? And I just kind of feel like this is just a, you know, more of that. Um, yeah, I, I, it just feels like, is this like what we get with a two party system? Is this the best we can do at the moment? It seems like it. (laughs) Um, have you have you ever been a fan of like a you know a parliamentarian system or something where you know um, what's the ranked choice voting or anything that would like not 
that would shake it up a little bit? Have you ever thought about any of that stuff? Well, I think we should. There's a so my old one of my old professors in college, um, Dave Gillespie, um, is uh, was one of the bigger or more more well respected uh, political scientists that focused on third parties. And I'd love to have him on on the podcast to kind of talk this through. He's retired now. He lives in, I think he lives in Charleston now, um, but he's still active on like, you know, I see him post stuff on Twitter and, and, and uh, Facebook all the time. And uh, we've had, we've traded emails a, a few times, but um, he always had, he's got a, he wrote a couple books back in the nineties about this. And, um, you know, I think, you know, a viable third party that's, we should start with that. We need a viable third party and, the Libertarian Party has always almost gotten there, but then does something that, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to say discredits them, but certainly knocks them back down to earth. Um, I mean, the third party now would just be a center party, right? And it would just be, um, um, I mean, but the problem with that is that yeah. you just don't have the interest or the, the passion that the, you know, the the radical progressives and the hard right have about, you know, kind of, or the, you know, the Christian conservatives or whatever you want to, um, I think there's, I think there's passion among the libertarians. I just think they know that if they want to win, they need to, they need to be Republicans instead. And that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can't talk about it. So they've, so they've attached themselves to one party because they think they can get the most out of their agenda from that one party. And that's the problem with, the two the two party system same with like the green party i mean the green party does the same thing for the democrats right so like you know a a multi-party system where hey if you know maybe we have a like a gun party where you know that's all they care about and Mm -hmm. maybe they get one member of congress um but you know um and then you have you know a centrist party and um you know it's it just seems to me that like uh, uh you know our system is is just not and it wasn't always this way but it's just like everybody is just always worried about getting elected and and playing to the hardest Mm -hmm. factions of their base and as a result we end up not representing most of america um and that's unfortunate um but of course you know you have a multi-party system where you know you lose confidence in your your you lose your majority your coalition and you're having snap elections every two to three years yeah. is also is also not very stabilizing as well yeah. so um anyway we're, we're going a little political science on our on our uh our audience tonight that's good well we're not doing an mgt uh clip of the week but did you oh, yes we did have a special yes. request for a uh, a different yes clip of the, week. the reason we're not doing mtg uh crazy of the week sorry marianne um, was because a f- former guest, Craig Savage, has said, why don't you do a Madison Cawthorn crazy of the week? So I said, why not? I'm sure he said something stupid over the last uh, week or so. Um, and before the show, I I just Googled it and it came up pretty quickly. So um, here is your uh, Madison Cawthorn stupid of the week or crazy of the week. Um let me see where I should start reading here. Uh, well, I'll just read this first first paragraph. Representative Madison Cawthorn is describing those in law enforcement custody for allegedly sto- allegedly storming the Capitol on January 6th in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying presidents 
Biden's election victory as, quote, political hostages while repeating false claims that the 2020 election was stolen. No, Madison, they are criminals and <laughs> they are being tried as so. They are not political hostages. Um, if I read you the rest of this article, it would just make your head explode with the stupidity. Um, but yes, Madison Cawthorn has called those who um, objected and to the uh, election results and broke into the Capitol on January 6th and disrupted the certification of the election as not criminals as they are, but political hostages. So there you go, Craig. That's for you. <laughs> we deliver. Yes. I love it. We take, we take requests and we deliver. Um, so yeah. Uh, wanna, are you into anything? Um, I, the only thing I'm really into lately is uh, we're doing some, and not really renovations, we're doing some refreshing of our house. Um, so we've been nice. looking at a lot. We of, did that a couple, a year and a half ago or so. Yeah, we're looking at, so we're not going to do a lot. We're going we're gonna to kind of redesign a little, our dining room and we're going to do some stuff in our kitchen. We're going to build a banquette. Um, mm. and get an oval table because we've got a lot of wasted space in this one corner where we currently have our kitchen table. We're going to paint our island. We're going to redo the backsplash because it's all very monochromatic. It's all very white, which of course was every house was white and gray and still is to some degree. But we want some some color and uh, change out the the cabinet poles and doorknobs and all that. But um, and then like I said, redo the um the dining room with some wallpaper, a new table, a new um, buffet, a new carpet, um, or rug, I should say, uh, area rug. But um, so looking gonna at go like, to going to go to Home Depot if you have enough time. A lot of Home Depot, a lot of flooring. Um, yeah, so we've been looking at, we, we, got a, we got a designer to kind of help us out, so we've been looking at samples and what we like okay. and what we don't like. It's been a pretty slow process, actually, um, but we hope we can start working, we can start like, the const- it's not even construction, but the the projects in um, in yes. October sometime. So we used a designer as well, and I cannot recommend one enough because unless you have a real eye for this stuff, um, well, they are a force multiplier, and they make it a lot easier, well, and they set up everything for you. Yeah, I mean, she's going to set up all the all the trades and everything, and and to, and that's what really I think what where her um, value is going to come through, but. Um, the samples and stuff and picking out things. I mean, Maura's got a great eye. My wife has got a great eye on this stuff. And she did that for our renos in DC. We redid all three of our bathrooms, our, our two bathrooms and our half bath in DC. And she picked all the stuff out and had the vision of what she wanted to look like. And it all worked out great. So, um, but yeah, it is good to have like a, a designer who can coordinate all the trades to come in and actually do the work. So. And they usually get better deals on carpets and things as well. True. Than you would, if you just went to a, store and picked it out so yeah so we'll have fun with that thanks what about you uh i am not quite into it yet because it just started today but um i love u.s open night tennis um <laughs> i love there's already some watch. controversy right was it didn't uh for uh andy murray's match whoever oh, defeated him it's a pass yeah Sitsipas? he he took an extended like shitter break or something Oh, I the hadn't heard that break? yet. Oh, yeah. I just um, It just um, came across my phone before we started recording. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to throw you off. No, no. I mean, this is, I mean, I don't know. It just feels like uh, U.S. Open nighttime tennis is like 
the first harbinger of fall, uh, like going back to school. Mm-hmm. It just brings me back to like a time and place. You know, that was where Sampras threw up that night in that epic oh, uh, yeah. match against Karecha. Um, so many just like late night matches until like 11, 12 o'clock that are just, you know, classics. Um, and so I'm looking forward to watching that over the next two weeks since uh, we probably won't record again before it's over. So uh, U.S. Open night tennis, check it out if you don't, if you haven't already. And then, of course, uh, college football gets back in a full swing this coming weekend. Georgia's going to lose their first game this weekend. So. <laughs> You're such a dick. Such a dick. <laughs> Georgia's not going to lose. Uh, I, a lot of people are wait. picking Georgia to win the national championship. So, uh, Georgia's ranked four? Uh, fifth right now. Clemson is what? Uh, f- they're fourth. They might be, no, they're okay. third or fourth. Okay. I forget. Alabama's one, and then obviously the, it's Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson, and Georgia, but I can't okay. remember the order. All I know is Georgia's fifth and Alabama's one. And where are they playing, Clemson? Uh, no, they're playing, well, technically it's a neutral site. It's Charlotte. Oh, okay. But uh, where, right. the Pan- where the Panthers play, but obviously that's going to be a home game for Clemson because it's not far. And is that game Saturday? Saturday at 7.30 Eastern time. Awesome. So I will be I'm looking forward to it. I'll be in my basement with surround sound on. <laughs> Pants optional. <Yeah. laughs> oh, I was going to say something. I will be. I will be gambling on that game. Good so, for you. Um, yeah. So. All yeah. right. All right, man. Well, follow us on uh, Twitter at Bros Politics. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts: Apple, Spotify, and uh, Amazon. And uh, thanks, Hal. We'll go to the casino. Now that I have a job, definitely. Woo woo. Splapper. Good night.